Please open your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Um, we are currently uh, working through the Gospel of John as a series, if you're uh, uh, a guest today. Uh, and we, we've particularly got to this place in John where it's heading to the cross. In fact, this, uh, what we're reading today is part of a discourse that happened the night before Christ's arrest. And so in this moment, what's happening in, as a, in this discourse, which is an extended discourse that we'll be in uh, for a while, uh, and have been for a few weeks already, uh, it's Jesus talking to His disciples and comforting them in the fact that He's about to go away. Um, he's about to die, and then He's going to be resurrected, and then... He's going to go to the Father. So there's a limited time uh, that the disciples have with, him, uh, with Jesus. And so Jesus is, is just comforting them. He's just letting them know that it's going to be okay. And so that's where we are uh, in the midst of this dialogue this morning as it continues. <clears throat> it says in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the, Spirit, uh, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I'm in my Father, uh, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all, the, all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Um, I feel very fortunate and blessed to just still have my parents alive. Um, 
to, to have them with me. They're very supportive. They're, they're amazing parents. Uh, and I don't know what it's like to lose a parent. And I'm thankful for that. I will know. It's one of the, uh, if I live uh, a good bit longer, uh, I know that in the next 10 to 20 years, uh, depending how long they live, I'm going to have to say goodbye. I'm going to be an orphan, even if it's in older age. Some of you have lost a parent in, when you were very young. Some of you have, have lost your parent, of course, as you've gotten older. And even that has impacted you in a major way. It is painful to be an orphan. It is painful to lose your parents. And Jesus wants us to know from this text this morning that He has not left us as orphans. The, the disciples might have been tempted to, to feel like orphans, this man that they have depended on, that, that they had learned from for several years and, and who have, have, have helped them and supported them is suddenly taken from them. And Jesus wants them to know that He has not left them or us as orphans because of His care for us and the care of the One He and the Father are going to send to be our advocate. So I just want us to look at some ways in which, from this text, that Jesus has not left us as orphans. First, He has not left us as orphans because He has sent us another Helper. We see that in verses 15-17. through 17. The, uh, This text is the first of what's nicknamed the paraclete uh, verses found in at the end of the Gospel of John. And there are five promises of the paraclete the the helper um, the, uh, the the spirit is a huge part of Jesus' discourse and his comfort to his disciples and he's that he's leaving he wants them to know i'm not leaving you alone i'm sending the spirit and i think these promises and this talk of the spirit are going to be very helpful for us because i don't know about you but I think this is true of many of us, that we see a lot of abuses with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we see lots of people maybe claiming things are happening because of the Holy Spirit that we know are not really happening because of the Holy Spirit. And, and many, many people who try to get money from people and, and do uh, healing works to get money from people, they oftentimes just claim constantly the Spirit's work. And, and because of that, I believe, We've gone way too far the other side. And our, in our desire not to be seen like that or not to be mistaken like that, we've almost kind of kept the Spirit away at an arm's length. Think about that for a moment. Think about the ramifications of keeping a member of the Trinity, God in the Spirit, to, to keep Him at arm's length. Just imagine the detriment that could be to our spiritual lives. And so, I think it's helpful for us to, in the days ahead as we continue this dialogue, to see the, the wonder, wonder and the beauty of having the Spirit. We will see that the Spirit is the Father and the Son's precious, precious gift to us. But it says in verse 16, he says, I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Uh, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so this, this word paraclete, uh, here in the SV, is translated helper. Okay? Uh, in KJV, if you have a KJV Bible, it may say comforter. In the Greek of the day, it, it just meant advocate. It meant uh, kind of a legal advocate, a legal counsel to someone. Uh, maybe uh, your paraclete of your family would be that lawyer that you would turn to in times of legal tr- trouble, someone that you trusted. That would be your paraclete in the days of uh, this writing in the Greek. But it's an active role. I think sometimes we see words like comforter of the Holy Spirit and and our view of the Holy Spirit is like He's just kind of this surreal being that when times are hard, He comes and holds our hand. And the reality is, is that even in a... Because we, we see the words like He's a comforter. So we think of a comforter as someone who, who holds our hand when things get rough. But, you know, the, when it comes to comforter, the, the Latin, uh, the, the root word there is forte, which means strength. So it's someone, a comforter... Uh, is someone who comes with strength. And of course, that is the Holy Spirit. He comes with strength to help us. There's no strength, folks. There's no strength in the Christian life without the work of the Spirit in us. There's no strength. And it it tells us uh, here that, that the Spirit is not our first advocate. He's the second. Jesus says here that He will send another helper, another advocate, another paraclete. Because Christ was the first paraclete. In in 1 John 2, verse 1, in John's epistle, he says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, same word there, paraclete, with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is our advocate in heaven. The Spirit is our advocate on this earth. And what I mean by that is uh, the first paraclete of Christ, He's our advocate for the Father. He's the one that, that died in our place, that, that purchased our and, and give, gave us our righteousness. And so therefore, He is our advocate with the Father that, that we are. Uh, that He brings us to, God, to the Father in, in peace and restoration, reconciliation. So He is our legal advocate before the Father in heaven. The Spirit is our advocate on the earth. The Spirit gives us strength. The Spirit gives us courage to live and to stand for Christ in a world that's hostile. In a world that involves a lot of suffering. The Spirit is the one that comes alongside of us on this earth. And and He's in us and He helps us live our lives. He's also an an advocate that is our eternal advocate. Jesus calls Him His... says that He will be with us forever. What a great promise. What a great promise. He's not just our advocate here and there. He's not just our advocate that comes and goes. When we look at the Old Testament, sometimes it kind of seems like that's sometimes how the Spirit works. We don't know exactly how it 
always work, but we know that through Christ, uh, the Spirit has made His home with us and He is with us forever. From the day that we are saved and throughout all of our eternity, the Spirit is going to be with us. What a great, great thought. We see Him here called the Spirit of Truth. We see um, His clear identity as the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of Truth. And we see here that, that the world's going to reject Him. Because, I mean, if the world's going to reject Christ, whom they can see and whom they can hear His wonderful words and teachings, if they were going to reject Christ and His miraculous works, then they're definitely going to re- reject the one that they can't see. But Jesus lets them know, lets the disciples know that this that they know the Spirit maybe more than they think. He says, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So we know that, that the, the Spirit's work does not begin at Pentecost, but He is already at work in the lives of the disciples. So we, we first see that He sends that amazing helper. So we're not alone. We're not orphans. We're not... People that have no support, we are those who have been given the Spirit of God. We also see that we are not orphans because He has resurrected to give us life. Verses 18 and 19 says this, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. So there's some debate. When, he, when Jesus says, I will come to you, what's He referencing there? Um, is He referencing Pentecost? Is he, because in this context, He's talking a lot about the Spirit. So maybe He's talking about the Spirit uh, that, that's going to come at Pentecost and be there with the disciples from then on out. Or some people think that maybe He's talking about His second coming, that, that He's going to come back in His second coming, and that's why we're not orphans. But a lot of people, and I tend to agree, that what Christ is referencing here is His post-resurrection appearance. He says that they're going to see Him. They're going to see Him. And Jesus points out here to them the great encouragement that, of, of His visit with them after the resurrection. Their temptation after the crucifixion will be to feel like they're abandoned. They are orphans without a place. Just think about their lives had been all about Jesus for three years and then He's gone. We know that those were some dark days for the disciples. We know some of them just went back to fishing. They didn't know what else to do. He's gone. Let's just get back to doing what we were doing when He found us. Let's go catch some fish. They didn't know what to do. And if nothing would have happened, He would have likely faded in their memory. Just a nice guy that was a good friend for a few years, said some really neat things, and they probably would have settled back into their ordinary lives. After all, the disciples were pretty ordinary. But Jesus did not leave them there. He came back to life. 
And though he did not show himself to everyone, he didn't come back and go to public places after his resurrection and in that way, but he did come and showed himself to his disciples. And Jesus talked to them of the importance of that day. Verse 20, in that day you will know that I'm in the Father and you and me and I and you. We know that this was a moment that changed everything for the disciples. They became very different men. Men of, of, of deep, unshakable faith and were willing to lay their, down their lives for Jesus. And this is just what most of them did. John was tortured. The rest of them were killed for their faith. So what changed them? What changed them from bumbling, thick-headed fools to just they just couldn't get it into men that were literally turning the world upside down? It was because Christ did not lead them as orphans. He didn't let them get, get back to their ordinary lives. What he did was came back and said, See what I did there? You laid me in a tomb, now here I am before you. And then everything clicked within the disciples and they began to truly understand what Jesus had been telling them all along and they changed. They became bold men. And that change happened because Jesus visited them after His resurrection. So, third, he, he has not left us as orphans because He makes His home with us through the Spirit. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest himself to him. Notice that the Christian's obedience here is not what initiates God's love. Rather, it is the natural results of their love of Christ. Those that have and keep Christ's commandments are those who love Christ. It's what they do. That's what people that love Christ do. They obey Him. When you have truly set your affections on someone, you want to please them. Especially when you understand that the commands of God, the, the commands of Christ are given to us from a loving Father that that wants what's best for us, when we have that kind of relationship, we want to obey. I love what it says here. Is that Jesus says that He will manifest Himself. It's an, it's an active love. He shows Himself to His disciples at the direction to grow, uh, to grow their faith. And then He sends the Spirit as their earthly advocate to care for them and encourage them. It's a, it's a love that's manifested. He he doesn't leave us by ourselves. He doesn't leave us as orphans. But Judas, not, not the Judas that betrayed Christ, but Judas poses a question to him. He says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? You see, the heart of this question is probably still a misunderstanding in the disciples' mind and hearts about what's about to happen. I mean, they've been waiting for 
this public revealing, for, for Jesus to, to just publicly take the throne, in essence. He's, he's done all these miracles. He's, he's got a pretty good following now. And just take it. Just publicly show yourself as you are so that people will, will just embrace you. And they can't yet separate the suffering servant that he's meant to be in his first coming and the conquering king that he's going to be in his second coming. They think now is the time he's going to physically establish his kingdom on the earth. And so Judas is confused. It's probably the rest of the disciples like, why are you just going to appear to us? Let's go public. So in Jesus' answer to the question, it almost appears that he goes off subject. But I think he actually stays very much on subject. Here's what, let's read again what Jesus says here. Since Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So he's asked about why he isn't going to display himself to the world. And Jesus's answer is essentially this, I'm going to come and live with you. That, that in your obedience to me, in your love for me, that is how my kingdom is going to be known on this earth. I and the Father, we're going to make our home in you. And this is, of course, what's going to happen, especially in the indwelling Spirit of God in us. This is how God will establish His kingdom through the love and the obedience of His church. Through us. There are those who would say, I love Jesus, but they would deny His Word. They would say, man, Jesus is great. Now the sexual ethic that the Bible declares, that's not so great. You know, Jesus, man, He seems like a great guy, just full of love, but and just like that, those rules and things. I'm not big on the. I'm not big on the whole doctrines and things in the scripture. You don't have to believe all that. You just need to embrace Jesus. But what this says, if if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Folks, it's. Taking Christ and leaving His Word. It's not how that works. It's not how any of this works. That we embrace it all. We embrace Christ. We embrace His words. We choose to obey through the indwelling Spirit that is helping us obey. You can't have Jesus and then reject His Word. He is... He and His Word are connected. They come as one. He has not left us as orphans because through the Spirit He has given, given us His Word. Verses 25-26 through 26 talk about how what's going to happen is that after He leaves, right? 
we, we wonder like, okay, so John's writing about some detailed stuff here. Even this right here we're reading about is a long discourse. So like, how in the world, you know, I can barely remember. I'll go to Walmart with what my wife's told me to get, and I'll leave there with everything but what she told me to get. That's the memory of mankind. That's the memory of many of us. And so how can these men, some of them not very educated, how can they recollect all the words of Jesus, all the actions of Jesus? How did that work? And Jesus explains here that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all the things uh, all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So do the Spirit's work. The Spirit's work in, 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 in opening and in, in helping them remember. That's how it happens. We see in John even here, uh, through the Gospel, we've seen at times John would kind of add commentary to, to what happened. He didn't understand it at the time. But through the Spirit's work, now he understands it. This is what 2 Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And notice that, that the Spirit doesn't come to bring a new teaching. The Spirit doesn't show up as many people will declare Him and say something that's not in God's Word. No, the Spirit, what the Spirit does is it brings to us the, the teachings and, and shows us the teachings of Christ and teaches us through the words of Christ. Now, while this, while this verse is specifically referencing the Spirit's work in helping the disciples remember the words of Christ, we must realize that the Spirit occupies that role of illumination of God's Word to us. And again, he does not bring us a new word, but he helps us to understand the words that have been written. And once again, we have this great kindness of God as he gives us the spirit who reveals his word and then helps believers understand that word. He doesn't just throw us a Bible and say, figure it out. He indwells us in the spirit to help us to, to understand. Do you have trouble reading the scripture? You have trouble being consistent in your Bible study time because you go there and you either don't understand it or you read and you understand it, but you're like, how does this apply to me today at work? Or... So you just quit reading it. You struggle, with, you struggle with just that consistent time in God's Word. Uh, the a recent survey that we sent out to, to many of you this was a real struggle for many of you just to have that daily time in the Word. And, and so I would encourage you, what I would encourage you to do is pray. Is ask God as you open up His Word. Pray Psalm 119.18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Your law. Open up the Scriptures and say, God, help Your Spirit to show me something amazing. God, help your spirit to, to show that how I apply what I'm reading, that what needs to change about me to make my, my life more consistent with God's Word. If you have trouble reading the Word, then go to the one 
who reveals God's words to us and teaches us God's words. And finally, He has left us as orphans because He has left us with peace. One of my favorite things as a pastor is to go to adoption hearings. I love it. It's so amazing to hear the judge when he says that, that this person, this child, will be to you a natural as a natural born child. That in, in one moment that that child's an orphan, in the next moment that child is as a natural born son or daughter. And what comes with that is is the inheritance, right? Is the legacy of the family. You bear that name. And Jesus has not left us as orphans, but has given us an inheritance. But He has no family heirlooms to pass down to us. He didn't even have a home to leave anybody. He certainly didn't have a 501k to leave us. But what He does leave us with is something that's better than any of that, which is His peace. Verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When Jesus was born, the angels told the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is well pleased. Peace among those whom He is well pleased. Peace. The promise at His birth was He's going to bring peace. And this is exactly as He approaches the cross. This is what He says He's leaving with them. And it's not a peace that the world gives. It says here, it's not, not that kind of peace. The world is not a pace, place of peace. We've had two mass shootings in 24 hours. Politics seems heated more than it's been in decades. We have talking heads that are going to talk this week about how to bring peace we need less guns we need more guns we need this person out of office we need this person in office if we did all that then we'll have peace and the world the reality is is that there is no peace in this world folks this world is broken and full of broken people And the reality is, is that there is only one thing that can bring peace, and that is Christ. Because the greatest war that's going on is not war in politics, it's not in mass shootings, it's not uh, on uh, borders, uh, countries fighting across each other's borders. The greatest war of mankind is their war with God. The war that that we have declared because of our sin and our rebellion, our war against the Holy God. And it is only, it is only through the work of Christ. It's only through the work of Christ. 
that we're made at peace with God. This is Christ's legacy for us, is that He has brought us. He has reconciled us to God. This is what Christ did to, through His work on the cross for us, that He died the death that we deserved. He lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserved, so that we could have what we don't deserve, and that is peace with God. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and I ask you to please stand. Folks, we are we are God's representatives. The greatest thing we can do in a in a world that's so broken is to allow God to dwell in us richly to obey his word to love others as he loves others and to not run away from the spirit but absolutely 100 percent embrace the spirit and walk according to the spirit so i ask you to respond to every god has spoken to you through his word maybe just maybe you need to do some prayer just ask god god just not I haven't been living my life in the Spirit. I haven't been, been living my life as I should in association with your Spirit. And, and maybe you just need to talk to God about that. I ask you to respond this morning to His Word. Let's pray. Dear Only Father, God, we live in a world that's not at peace. It's far from it. And yet, God, in, in our lives, there's place that you've made your home to those of us who are in Christ and God we are the ones who have the peace that is not like this world the peace that is brought to us through the indwelling spirit that you've given to us God help us God we we repent of our tendency because some people have misused the spirit God to run away from the spirit God we can't do that and we ask God we repent of that we we ask that your spirit would become 